Hi there, this is Zoe Durand, mediator, lawyer, and author of Inside Family Law, the book. This is the Inside Family Law podcast, which is for and about those with an interest in the family law process. Hi, you're listening to the Inside Family Law podcast. I'm speaking with um, Jackie Dawson, who is a principal here at Sexton Family Lawyers. Thank you very much for speaking with me. No problem at all. So do you want to just tell me a bit about your career path um, through family law? Yes, so I have been a family lawyer for more than 20 years. Um, Really, as a full-time practitioner, I've only worked in family law and I've been an accredited specialist since 2001. Um, and I'm involved in some things in the Law Society, including the Specialist Accreditation Board and the Family Law Committee. Okay. Um, so obviously you've got a bit of wealth of experience there. Look, something that, um, you know, that I'm interested in, and you and I have spoken about before, is um, what is it that, you know, I guess clients can do to sort of empower themselves while they're working with their lawyer? So what are some tips there? Yeah, some tips there. Um, I think the first thing that people should have in their mind is that it's not always possible at the beginning of a family law matter to know precisely what the outcome is. Uh, So there's an element of, uh, I think, very much wanting to understand processes and options, but also needing to be a little bit flexible about what the end point is, because for lots of different reasons, we can't always know what the outcome will be. And I completely understand that creates anxiety for people. Mm. Um, What we need to do is make the best decision we can each time we're faced with a decision and have some clear understanding about what our overall objectives are. Uh, I think that can be a lot easier for people if they relax into that rather than um, feeling constantly anxious about where it's all headed. Yeah. Um, And do you have any specific tips, I guess, things like just really pragmatic, practical things that people can do to work with their lawyer, things they can prepare? Absolutely. Um, So the first thing I'd say is when you first go to see a lawyer, um, there's a fine balance between bombarding them with so much information they can't get through it, but also having enough information. Generally speaking, I think when you're first seeing a lawyer, it would be very helpful if you're going there to talk about your children to have a brief history of what's happened Uh, in the children's lives and even just basic stuff like what date did we get married, what are the children's dates of birth, that can save a lot of time and I'm probably talking about a page worth of notes about that sort of thing. In terms of financial uh, information it can be very helpful for people to have thought about what their assets and liabilities are and by that we obviously mean joint assets as well as assets held in people's sole names. And if they can, if they can look up things like, what is the balance of my superannuation Mm. fund? What is the balance of my bank accounts? Enormously helpful if they arrive with that sort of information. The the more detailed information you go to a first appointment with, the the clearer a picture you will have of the pathway when you leave that first appointment. That's absolutely true. I mean, the advice you're getting, I guess, from a lawyer is based on the information given. So the clearer that, you know... In, not, not exactly this simple, but I mean, I wouldn't say, you know, the advice is only as good as the information, but we are, as lawyers, you know, basing it on what we're given. So if we don't have very clear facts, it's hard to give that accurate advice. That's absolutely right. And, and I mean, that actually um, segues neatly to something else that I think is important for people to keep in mind, which is that it's really important that you're completely frank with your lawyer. There is no point in withholding facts because you feel they are unflattering or unhelpful mm. to your case. 
uh, they will eventually come out and if your lawyer isn't forewarned with them there's not much they can do to help you with them no one is perfect so there's no difficulty at all with telling people telling your lawyer uh, things that you might feel you'd might prefer haven't happened such as in a parenting matter you might have sent a text which is really unhelpful if it's happened it's happened um, far better that your lawyer understands that's happened mm -hmm. so just be upfront full and full and frank with your lawyer from the start and um, then it's sort of better to sort of damage control things rather than your lawyer finding something out from the other side, you know, being, being ambushed Oh, that. absolutely. That's absolutely right. Um, in terms of financial matters, the uh, another thing um, parties can do which can enormously help themselves is when they're asked for financial information, gather it as promptly as they can. Mm. Um, disclosure will become the bane of your life if you're <laughs> involved in a financial matter um, and it's there for a good reason. Uh, uh, but it can become a separate battleground and that will particularly happen if information isn't provided. Uh, so if you're asked to provide a list of items, gather them as quickly as you can and provide them to your lawyer in the most organised way you can. All of that will save you costs because they are not having to reinvent the wheel by collating material that you've provided. But it will save costs in a different way. It will mean your lawyer's not needing to chase you for that information mm. and it will mean they're not receiving letters from the other side chasing for that information. So um, it, it, it does require a bit of effort from someone and often, often people feel as though it's completely unfair that they're being asked for material. Mm. If something is irrelevant, um, their lawyer no, will no doubt tell them that. But, but absent the lawyer saying, no, no, you don't need to provide that, then my advice is the best thing you can do is just get on board and provide it. It takes a lot of heat out of matters. Yeah, and definitely what you said about collating the information because, you know, I've seen and you've seen over the years anything from, you know, I've had some clients that are extremely organised, the disclosure arrives pre-sorted, dated, ordered, you know, all bank statements with one banker in one group. They've got, they've tabulated it. It's, it's, it's you know, saves a lot of time. Other times you get documents in like a, you know, a... A crumpled grocery bag and it's all over like different statements mm. mixing together and it can take hours just that's out. right and when that happens someone has to put in an organized form because it's critical that your lawyer has clear records of what disclosure they've provided and, and what hasn't been provided uh, the last thing we want is to be in a position where someone is asserting something hasn't been sent and you're mm. not in a position to answer that one way or the other so organization is critical and the more you can do of that yourself obviously the more you will save Mm. Um, because in terms of a client's experience using a lawyer, I think there's a few things that feed into whether or not you feel satisfied with that relationship. I mean, and one of them is uh, that you feel you haven't paid money unnecessarily for services that you didn't really want. Mm. Um, and I think after the event, it can be easy for someone to think, I wish I'd organised that disclosure mm. myself I'm, and I, I wish that I hadn't paid uh, my lawyer to do it. Someone does have to do it. So mm. if you're able to do it yourself, you might as well. I mean, the thing is, you know, I guess different firms charge differently, but often with lawyers, um, and I don't mean this because I'm a lawyer myself, but our time is money, really. And so if you can save your lawyer time, I mean, obviously you need to let them do their legal work, but if you can do those sort of administrative tasks like the disclosure and sorting that, then you're saving yourself money. It's really that simple. A absolutely. Um, and actually related to that is um, another... I think important thing to keep in mind when you're engaging with your lawyer and that is that a lot of what we might be talking to you about might not be strictly legal questions 
Um, now, some of them are things that we necessarily need to know about, particularly if we're talking about a parenting matter. Mm. But do keep in mind that sometimes you might need alternative support to manage certain things that are happening in your life. Um, if you're feeling very distressed or anxious, uh, it might be that you need to go and seek some um, counselling or psychological assistance with that. It's completely natural and normal to feel anxious. But it might well be that talking to a lawyer about those things is not a good use of your money. So it, but trying to be clear about what it is that I'm asking of my lawyer is very helpful. If, it's, if I'm asking for legal advice or advice about how to proceed with a matter, that's a good use of your lawyer's time. Mm. It might be that if you are um, absorbing a lot of your lawyer's time talking about worries that are more appropriately discussed with another professional, um, you might ultimately be disappointed with how much you've paid for that. Yeah, no, it is definitely something to be aware of in terms of, I guess it's just about looking at where you're putting your resources and, and sort of where we're, we're putting different issues for different professionals, mm, you know. I agree. Sorry, that was worded a bit constantly. No, no, I, no, I agree completely with that. Um, so uh, I think, again, it gets back to being clear about objectives. Um, I did want to talk about what might be the cues that you've got the wrong family lawyer. Because um, yeah, sure. I think sometimes that's people can find themselves locked in dynamics that are unhelpful. Mm. I think of your relationship with your family lawyer as a little bit like a relationship you might have with a doctor. If you don't trust them and feel comfortable with them, you might not tell them important information. Mm. And you might not hear important information that they're telling you. Um, now, sometimes criticisms of lawyers are unfair. Sometimes, no doubt, they are fair. But I was thinking through, what, what is it that, that would identify if the lawyer is the right lawyer for you? Mm. And I, I think the first thing is that you feel comfortable with them, you trust them. And I'm not suggesting that there should be blind trust. I think it's reasonable that people question things if they feel Plus they have to be earned to an extent. That's, that's absolutely right. Absolutely yeah. right. Um, I think people should look to objective markers of expertise, um, obviously specialist accreditation, um, which is a scheme where lawyers are approved by the law societies being a specialist in a particular area. That's a pretty good marker of expertise. You might look at someone's working history or their firm's history to understand if they've got a sound, solid base in family law. It's not, it's not an exclusive indicator, it might be one. Um, Think about whether your lawyer seems to be over-promising you and whether you're seeing indicators that perhaps they've over-promised you. Sadly, for some people, sometimes they don't see that until they're before the court, but they might see a few things, a few comments from the court that might indicate, oh, hang on, maybe, maybe my promise that I'm going to get X percent is not necessarily right. And then there's more basic uh, markers, such as whether the lawyer is being responsive to them in a reasonable time frame, um, if they're not able to deliver something in a time frame that they expected, are you hearing from the lawyer why that might be? Mm. Um, uh, I also very much think people need to be alert to a lawyer who remains objective and calm for them. Um, my view is that one of the worst things we can do as a family lawyer is get on board with someone's emotional distress. Mm. Um, that will come out in correspondence that's unnecess unnecessarily emotive. Um, and probably unnecessarily lengthy. Uh, the problem with that is not only is it a waste of money, but ultimately that correspondence could be visited on the client before the court if, if the court ultimately forms a view that the client was engaging in unhelpful correspondence. So, so it's a bit of a trick that I think people can often feel a lawyer is on their side because they're getting fully on board with the battle. They might actually be doing them a great disservice. That's a really good point. Mm. 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 
So expect to receive from a good family lawyer a measure of pushback from them if you're taking a position that they say is not going to be sustainable in the longer term. And if they say that, they're saying that because they're actually on your side. Um, they actually don't want you to take a position that you're going to be criticised for. Mm, mm. No, that's true. Some reality testing, you know, like it's our role as lawyers to, to give that advice um, and to not just just blindly follow what our you know our clients might be saying i mean we're they've oh, sorry they've they've engaged us you know for our expertise and you, you it's true you're doing a disservice to your client if you don't give what your advice is and say what you really think that's right that's right i mean one of the most important things that we as lawyers have to remember is that we've got a much higher duty to our clients than just to be a mouthpiece for their distress mm -hmm. And if that's what the relationship becomes, that a client is drafting letters and a lawyer's popping them on letterhead and sending them off, you, you've entered into a really unhelpful dynamic. It might feel good in the short term because you get the satisfaction of sending that you know, angry letter off. In the long term, uh, it's not going to pay dividends for you. That's a really, yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. It's interesting. It's kind of like you, you look at unhealthy and healthy relationships and then people separate and then there's also with your lawyer, do you have, you know, in that kind of relationship or a client relationship is it healthy or is it getting a bit toxic you know it's a good point that's right and toxic can come in all sorts of ways um mm. it, it's not necessarily that you might be fighting with the lawyer they might actually be identifying so Enmeshed. much with you that they've stopped giving advice mm. um so i think that's one thing to remember too um, no, that's a really good point. Mm, Any mm. other thoughts or tips for someone going through the process? Oh, absolutely. Um, one thing that I think is really helpful for people to remember is every case is different, every fact situation is different. Uh, so taking advice from your friend or your neighbour or Google about what's going to happen is probably going to lead you down a, a bad place. Um, it's surprising how many people seem to be informed by other people's experiences and they assume that their experience is going to be the same. But family law is very fact-driven, as it should be, because all people are different and all situations are different. Uh, so that's, I think that's a really important message to don't, don't Google and assume that your fact situation is the same as someone else's. Uh, the outcome may well be different for lots of good reasons. Um, I, I think Another thing that's really helpful for people to keep in mind is that we need to adapt as we go along because facts can change, um, asset pools can change, people's incomes can change. In relation to children, um, children's needs can change, children get older. So sometimes we need to be a bit flexible about what the advice is. Um, and so don't fix on what advice might have been two years ago mm. if, if you know, you're in that unfortunate position of still being engaged with the process after two years. It may well be that the situation changes and the advice changes and therefore the, how you respond to it needs to change. And I think the other, sadly, I think the other thing that's really important for people to remember is uh, that I think it, it, most people would be aware that the family law system is really struggling. It's, if you are in that unhappy position of needing to engage with the court, well, sometimes you need to for good reason. Um, there is no point being angry with your lawyer that the system is what it is. Um, Delays. That's right. We're all working as well as we can within a system that is really groaning under pressure um, and it is really a waste of your time and money to complain to your lawyer about that. They get it. If they're working in the system, they get it. They wish it was different. Well, my goodness, we all wish it was different. But it is what it is. Uh, so listen to your lawyer about what's possible within that process. 
Really good words of wisdom. Thank you so much, Shaki. Pleasure. Absolute pleasure. So where can people um, track you down if they want to catch up with you? Uh, I am at a firm called Sexton Family Law. Um, We have a website, which unsurprisingly is sextonfamilylaw.com.au. And we are based in Kirribilli. Lovely. Fantastic. Well, look, as I said, pleasure speaking with you. And thank you so much for being so generous with all your insights. No problem at all. So thank you for listening in to the Inside Family Law podcast. I hope you found today's episode interesting. And I hope that it is just the beginning of the conversation and that you can continue to think about and talk about the issues that were raised today with your friends and your colleagues. Till next time, if you want to be in touch with me about the podcast today or anything else family law related, then please um, be in touch with me. My website is www.mediationanswers.com.au. Bye for now.